Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. And this is Cindy Meyer, your host of the weekly Wake Up with Spirit Seeker, Wisdom for Your Soul. And this is a new platform for us. This is um, right about three weeks now. <clears throat> we were an evening show. Uh, on Thursday evenings for, I don't know, I think since 2008. That's how far back the, this platform goes on Blog Talk. Before that, I was in a traditional studio. But, what, um, but then we could only reach, you know, within a certain mile radius. What I love about Blog Talk is that the minute the show is completed, it is a downloadable podcast. So you can listen to it at any uh, time of the day or night at your leisure and also forward the link to friends and, um, and share that. Uh, I made an announcement last week. I, I am selling my home after living in it for a very long time. And because uh, I have published Spirit Seeker magazine for 25 years, I have so many wonderful treasured books and DVDs and CDs, and you can imagine. So if you would like to be entered to win some of those books, what I'll do is I'll give you a choice of three, maybe even four, <clears throat> and then I will um, mail them to you. So if you want to be eligible for those drawings, uh, for the books and all the other stuff, send an email to info at spiritseeker.com. You will then also, if, if you want to be, say add me to the, uh, the newsletter list. We have a weekly email newsletter that goes out in addition to the magazine, and um, we let you know of other fabulous Mind, Body, Spirit events all over the country, into Canada, and sometimes we actually have um, European events that we help promote. So we don't sell your name. It's just that you get wonderful, inspirational um, articles and ideas, etc. So, um, And also to be eligible for any of the drawings, anything that we do at Spirit Seeker, we have to be on our email list. Um, so info at spiritseeker.com, and um, if you are on the um, listening via the Internet today rather than um, by phone where I can see you on the switchboard, and if you do have a question for my guest, um, just email the question to info at spiritseeker.com, um, and then we will ask the question on the air, uh, and you will listen to the answer from wherever you are. Okay, so the, one more announcement that I'm going to bring my guest on. Because Spirit Seeker is, uh, is, it was founded in St. Louis, Missouri um, 25 years ago, then we expanded to Chicago and then more in Florida. All three of them, well, not exactly Florida, but um, Chicago and St. Louis and the Midwest are still shut down. We just had our shelter down uh, extended <clears throat> until May, the end of May. We have not hit our peak in St. Louis with the COVID virus. Uh, and Chicago's still suffering. So we are not printing a magazine again this month. This is like It was the hardest thing last month not to do that. Instead, we have been beefing up our um, social media, our emails, et cetera, and so we will be doing a digital issue only for the May issue. We are doing fabulous advertising rates because guess what? We're not paying the printer, paying for the shipping to all the cities, and then paying for the distributor in those cities. Instead, we can offer great prices because we're all like, you know, not exactly where we were financially perhaps a few months ago. Um, maybe we are, who knows? But but we are, I, but we're just going to do this because um, we want to do it. And then each week we'll be sending articles that we had featured in the magazine. We'll be sending it to the email list and sharing the articles on social media. So in a way, more people are going to be reached. It's, it's very different. We've been digital since 1998. So we have quite a following already digitally, but we're, it's about to expand. Okay, so that's it other than um, we're, we're going to be doing a lot of online things. So if you um, – want to be part of all this new energy, then you need to be on our email list. Okay, so my guest is Nicholas Pearson. He has been um, a, a, attracted to rock since he was a very young age. Um, he's written a number of books. Today he's going to be discussing his uh, the latest that was released um, not that long ago. It's called Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. Um, his, uh, this book is, uh, published by, uh, Destiny Books, and you can find out more information at 
www.innertraditions.com. He um, will inspire us today with a variety of ways uh, to use crystals. Sometimes we need to be grounded. Sometimes we need to be expanded. And um, and he's I'm, I'm really excited he's going to be touching on the subject of karmic healing and using crystals. Because right now we all have a little bit of extra time to do our inner work. So this is the perfect time. Uh, to have this knowledge uh, being given to us. So so Nicholas Pearson has been immersed in um, all aspects of the mineral kingdom for more than 20 years. He began teaching crystal workshops in high school, so he was awakened early, very early. He later studied mineral science at the Stetson University Galepsi, uh, uh Museum. He's a certified teacher of Yusui Reiko uh, Reho, he teaches crystal and Reiki classes throughout the United States. He's the author of the seven Ar- archetypal stones and crystals for karmic healing, and he lives in Orlando, Florida. I am delighted, Nicholas, to have you as my guest, and I am bringing you on the air. No, you are live, so welcome. Well, thank you so much. It's it's really a pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Great. So. Um, so how has, like, you're in your mind with um, the COVID and everything that's going on globally, um, what, I mean, I know it's a weird way to start the interview, but what, what crystals or what would you recommend for people who are in their homes to cleanse their homes, to purify them, anything, wherever you want to go with this, we're just glad you're here. So whatever you want to share. Oh, yeah, there, there's so many things we can be doing with this spare time we might find ourselves in. Um, I think first and foremost, one of the things that we probably need to talk about is how easy it is to slip into that fear state. And I mean, justifiably so. The, the world's a scary place under the best circumstances, and we've got things that are a little bit different right now. So I think one of, one of my favorite tools for when we feel like we might get kind of swept away in a current of any strong emotion, it could be fear, it could be worry, it could be anger, it could be grief, it could be related to COVID or not. Um, it's a stone called rhodonite. Rhodonite is really all about emotional transformation. It gives us a sense of strength, a sense of comfort. It's very nurturing on an emotional level. And that's going to be good for kind of helping us build a healthy, solid psychological platform for kind of dealing with things that are not so normal. Um, to address that, that fear that might be rising up a little bit more um, proactively, we could also maybe look at something like um, obsidian. That's one of my favorites for this. Obsidian is all about fear of the unknown, that, that feeling of uncertainty. What happens next? Um, you know, here's the beautiful thing about obsidian. It tells us that nobody knows. Nobody knows anyway. So certainly right now when things are a little strange and we, we can't quite predict how long our shelter-in-place orders are going to last or um, what the world's going to look like on the other side of this, it is this beautiful teacher for helping us kind of surrender, to help us just kind of accept how we are going to dive into that, that void of mystery, that, that cauldron of chaos, and come out reborn. So I think those are two primary tools we can just carry or wear or meditate with for kind of um, general well-being during these uncertain days. Um, but if we want to deal with like our our, our energy hygiene in our homes, uh, you know, definitely we can do things like work with selenite and make um, uh, maybe some crystal-infused waters and things like shungite or aquamarine, which are really clarifying. Those are things you could spritz in your home. Uh, selenite's one that I keep kind of gridded around the house. Um, around the you know the four main walls of the home, and that's a great way to kind of keep the vibes up. Um, we we can really just get to know our crystals on a one-on-one basis as well. If we have the luxury of time we didn't have before, it's a, it's a great time to like just pull out your your old rocks that you haven't really gotten to know in a while and see what they might have to say under these new circumstances. So um, I have a question. So I did not know until <clears throat> excuse me this last year when I was at a conference and someone um, had these small pieces of selenite, and I have a really big selenite healing wand that I use um, with irritation and inflammation in the body, but I had never known, and I would would love your thought that this is true, that you could put your crystals on the selenite and the selenite will um, clear them. Is that that true? Um, So here's, I I kind of have mixed feelings about this because, you know, there there started back in the 80s this belief that there were a couple of crystals that never needed to be cleansed or cleared, and that began with um, Love is in the Earth, the first edition of it written by Melody. Um, and she, she said that kyanite and, and uh, citrine never needed cleansing or clearing. 
Um, but, you know, all the crystal literature prior to that definitely didn't indicate this. And over the years, her list got larger. And then in the Internet era, um, it kind of became a game of telephone. So, you know, there are lots of stones that were never published about as never needing cleansing or clearing that, that suddenly took on those roles. And then, you know, another link in the game of telephone, they, they could be used to cleanse other crystals. Certainly, I think selenite metabolizes energy quickly, um, you know, geologically speaking at least, and that it can kind of help usher in a, a high vibe, high consciousness kind of white light that can be useful in cleansing stones. Um, but it's also very porous. Um, both physically and energetically. So it's like a sponge. And, you know, um, we can use it to cleanse another crystal, but it's like using a sponge to wash your dishes. We still have to wash the sponge, otherwise we stop having clean dishes. So you can use your selenite to cleanse your other crystals, but if you don't cleanse your selenite, it's going to last very long. That makes total sense because it just, I don't I just was like, I want to know if this is true because I had never heard that. Um, excuse me, and your explanation was perfect. So getting back to um, when you were saying you can place the crystals uh, energetically, like the selenite around your home, would you, would you kind of like do four corners of a room and would you use the small strips of selenite like you can get like, you know, in places? Yeah, I think those little small pieces that you can get, the little fibrous satin star selenite, Satin bar selenite is great for this. Um, rather than like the, the four corners, I would do along the four walls um, because they have this very kind of, um, you know, linear energy moving through them. So rather than kind of aiming them into the middle of the room, we're kind of fortifying the four walls and creating these sort of currents of light that surround and envelop our home. Um, if you wanted to do something in the corners, you could do something like uh, anything in the quartz family. Black tourmaline is wonderful. Um, you could even grid with some shungite, which would be nice. Um, and I mean, you know, the sky's the limit to whatever you've got in your toolbox. If it, if it right. feels appropriate to grid, go for it. Right. Well, and, um, I've, I've made little grids just off bathroom tiles. You know, I know it sounds funny, but, but you can, you can, and then you can put those underneath things. Um, but I think right now more than ever, the stones you're, you're mentioning, they're grounding, they're clearing. These are really good stones. For any, for all of you listening, um, so go ahead, Nicholas. Tell us more. <laughs> You've got so much knowledge. Sure. Oh, well, thank okay. you. Yeah. Um, I mean, where where do we want to go with this? We could maybe talk about um, some stones that are going to be really good for not just the the emotional well-being, but I know a lot of us might be concerned about the the well-being of our immune systems. And I'm certainly not not making any medical claims with this and telling you not to to exercise common sense. But you know, symbolically, there's some stones that can kind of energize us from the inside out. And two of my favorites when I want to feel a little bit more uh, safe and in a new kind of way would be things like bloodstone and carnelian. Um, there's a long tradition of both of these stones being used to combat illness, you know, all, all the way back into, um, you know, the like, dynastic eras of Egypt. And um, in the Paleolithic era, these are stones that were used for apotropaic or, or protective uh, purposes to ward off the influences of illness, um, as well as the ill intentions of others. In gemstone therapy, um, carnelian is a stone that is really invigorating. We use it to inspire things like optimism. It's rejuvenating and has a sense of renewal about it, which is great in, in times like this. Um, what, what, is the na- what, is the, what is the name? I'm sorry, I did not hear the name. That one's called carnelian. Um, okay. Carnelian is a member of the Essentially, it's a form of chalcedony, this sort of fibrous microcrystalline form of quartz, and it gets its orangey-red color from traces of iron oxide. And that iron content is what's so good for both grounding, um, but also it's got this sort of energy of taking action. Um, And what's real fun about this is um, the stone has long been associated astrologically with the planet Mars. You know, now that we have mineral science and, you know, all sorts of wonderful technology available to us, we, we know what gives this stone, its color, and it is an, an iron ore. And iron has been the planetary metal of Mars since at least the medieval period. So even before people could kind of analyze what was in the stone, they intuited that they felt that it had this kind of link to Mars. And Mars is about things like ambition and drive and, you know, uh, a little bit of conflict here or there. So when, when we might be feeling a sense of conflict in the outer world or conflict in the inner world. It's great for mobilizing us and helping us kind of move through that discomfort. Um, so a wonderful stone. You know, it's also root chakra when you think about it because it's, it's, I mean, I would assume so because of the color red. 
if you're using um, gemstones for the colors of the chakra. I have always loved carnelian. I just think it's so powerful. And I, I like the jaspers, too, um, the different jaspers. Yeah, and, you know, those kinds of really earthy stones are going to be so good for, um, you know, staying present. A, a big part of what we need to do these days is just stay present. Isn't that the truth? And I think that when, if ever, hopefully this is the only time in our history that we have this timeout that we've been given, and I'm choosing to look at it as a timeout for soul-level work. Um, because we don't, I, I mean, someone said, well, I just can't wait to get back to the way it was. And I'm like, it's never going to be the way it was. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I know there will be certain things. You'll be able to do, you know, your favorite activities. But I don't you feel, Nicholas, that we're all going to be very different on the other side of this? It's my sincere hope that we will be. I mean, for sure, this this is kind of helping us learn how to reevaluate our priorities. It's helping us learn to practice some good self-care, or at least it's giving us the option to practice some good self-care. Um, you know, certainly I'm, I'm enjoying my revised schedule these days, and I'm, I'm able to get back to some of the things that I really love, like writing. I, I haven't been writing for uh, much for about a year now, and um, I finally have this opportunity to, to use that time wisely. Um, and it, it fills my soul to be able to do that. And I, I know so many other people are out there doing those things that, that they couldn't prioritize in, in the old way, we'll say. Um, and it's just wonderful right. to see that we have an opportunity to grow from this. I think so. Um, so when, uh, do you want to go into, are there, well, are there any other stones you want to mention for boosting the immune system at this time? Anything else before we segue? You know, there, there are so many. So um, I'm, I'm going to be a shameless self-promoter here and just say if anyone wants to learn more about stones for the immune system, they can definitely find a whole bunch more in Crystal Basics. Sure. And that, uh, that book's available anywhere, right? They can go on the Internet, order? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. This, this book that he just mentioned um, is beautiful. It feels beautiful. The, it, I don't even know how to explain it. It has a whole different frequency. And um, I've been a rock collector since I was a little girl. Um, just have been always intrigued with the um, the mineral uh, kingdom. So when I when I read your bio, I'm like, oh, similar spirit on this one. And um, <clears throat> so I uh, so this book, if you if you do not have a book on crystals, I really would recommend it. It's um, Crystal Basics: The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. Um, there's just a lot of knowledge in this book, and it just feels really good. I, I love the cover too. <laughs> so. Um, all right, so so yeah, a lot of that will be in the book. Um, I would love to hear um, whatever you want to share on using crystals for karmic healing because I feel like people right now are going deeper, and this would be helpful to talk about that subject if you you'd be willing to do that. Oh, for sure. Um, so you know, this is kind of a, a topic I, I really love to to share about. Um, you know to before we can really dive into karmic healing, we, we all need to be on the same page about karma. And we, we hear so many popular expressions about poor karma there, and we, we call her some not-so-nice names. But, you know, karma is from Sanskrit, and the, the root of it just means action or deed. So um, karma is a reflection of the things we do or think or say um, and the ripples they create in the world around us. So it's nothing more than law of cause and effect. So um, sometimes we see it called the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, the law of the circle, because eventually that cause and effect returns to us. Um, And karma is neither good nor bad. It just is. In the Eastern traditions where we we derive the the majority of our karmic teachings from originally, um, you know, the goal is not about good karma or bad karma, but eliminating karma. If we come from a place where our, our soul really operates our our spirit is really meant to be aligned, then we're not generating any new karma. Uh, we might be putting out merit. We might have this kind of good vibe that we're putting out in the world and that can displace the weight of some of our karma. Um, but, you know, the, the goal here is these, these karmic opportunities, these causes and their effects that we experience in our lives are learning events. And when we come into Earth, it's as if we are um, incarnating in a, a very advanced classroom here 
and we have selected our course load. So, um, you know, if you need a moment with your higher self, just, you know, you can ask your higher self why on earth you chose these lessons this time around. Um, the great news is you take them all past fail. So you have as many times as you need to repeat these lessons until you can pass them. The bad news is you have to take them as many times as you need to until you pass them. So um, what, what we really need to kind of get our brains around is not that karma is good or bad, but that it's a, a learning opportunity. And the, the sort of karmic credits and debits that we've got on that soul level are almost like your soul GPA as you kind of go through the classroom. And that, that helps us kind of determine what our next semester of learning, what our next incarnation is going to look like. So as far as like healing our karma goes, the goal here is, is not necessarily that there's a one rock or even a couple of rocks we can put in our pockets and never have to worry about from our actions. None of it works that way, sadly. But there are stones that can help us maybe reflect the root causes of some of the karmic patterns that we're experiencing. They can give us the gift of understanding. And if we understand something, we're, we're more likely to make healthier changes. There are stones that can maybe help us kind of ride out the, the rough bits of the karma that we're experiencing or maybe even give us the kind of karmic energy that will push we need to get up and out of a karmic rut when you've got that, that cycle that repeats over and over again and then you try to make different decisions and you're really proud of yourself for changing and then the same thing happens. I like to call that karmic inertia. You know, it's not just the weight of this one circumstance that, that's coming towards you. It's all the times across many lifetimes you've lived the same kind of pattern. That's why sometimes we make a change in the here and now and we, we don't see big rippling effects because we have to you know, counteract the weight of many lifetimes engaged in the same lesson learning. Um, there are other stones that can maybe help us um, heal the karmic relationships we've got, others that might transmute the karmic patterns that we carry, still others that help us kind of understand where these things are rooted, have the, the past life recall or the future life recall um, that, that helps give us a, a greater clarity. When we work with crystals for karmic healing, it's, it's not a magic bullet. They don't just magically wipe the slate clean, but they give us a, a, kind of like an extended toolbox so we can approach our karma a little bit more conscientiously, and they catalyze the work so it's easier to do. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really profound tool. The great news about crystals is, for the most part, they don't generate any karma of their own, um, with, with one exception. They choose to be here, and that's their only karmic action. So everything else that happens is an act of service, so they're generating all this merit. And when we naturally surround ourselves with um, beings of great merit, it kind of rubs off on us, and we are more likely to be engaged in, in activities that generate merit rather than karma. And that's really, <clears throat> you know, for people who have been used to go, go, going, go, go, going, and to be quiet, 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 it's really, I think, nice to think about where you would like to do your service. You know, where what what you're doing with this time is, I think, setting the stage for a good part of the next um, part of our lives. I know that might sound very melodramatic a little bit, but I, I don't feel that it is. I feel that um, if you can learn to do a crystal spread in, in one of your rooms and feel the shift in the energy, and if you choose to work with crystals on your body and with the intention, whatever your healing intention is, um, I, I just think that we can use this time to, to uh, nurture ourselves. And that's the one thing that I keep hearing over and over from people is I just haven't had time to nurture myself because they're nurturing in a different way. I mean, in the past, it might have been going to the gym or it might have been going to get some body work or might, you now all these different things are going to parks in St. Louis, our parks are closed. Um, in, the, in the city of St. Louis, they're open because they know that in the city, um, there are more, uh, there's more density. When you go to the St. Louis County, people have land and they can spread out and they can go out in their yards. But in the city, when you're in, you know, a high rise or apartment building, um, so I'm really grateful that the city of St. Louis kept their parks open. But then Illinois' parks are closed, so all the people from Illinois are coming into St. Louis. So it's just really this whole uh, juxtaposition of what we used to do and where we are now and then preparing for when we go back out again. Um, <clears throat> so, okay, so I love what you shared about karma, and I, I think that I think that people sometimes do not get that every moment counts and that, oh, you know, whatever. And there's a lackadaisical um, 
attitude toward um, being a kind person. Um, we've all had, I'm not going to get political, but we've had a lot of um, angst with false information and, um, and fear. So I think that um, karmically for all of us at this time in history, no matter where you are, I think that's like what we we're learning is that we're very connected to what's happening in China. We're connected to what ha- is happening, you know, in Italy, in Spain, in in Canada. I mean, this virus has touched every single part of the world. So with the karma, um, what can you talk about anything, any of your take on the karmic time in history that we're all experiencing and how to use crystals with, well, you've already touched on a lot of it, but just any suggestions you would have on the soul level work we could do right now. Yeah, you know, um, a big thing that just keeps coming up again and again is this this fear that we're experiencing. And, and of course, there's the obvious reasons why we've got that, but, you know, on, on the soul level, we've been through this kind of thing before, um, whether personally or just on a global or planetary level, there are these echoes, there are these kind of memories of the past that, that we're all kind of tapping into. Um, sometimes it's, it's personal trauma. Sometimes it is, you know, more communal kind of trauma. And when we have events like this, it can kind of trigger that, that flight or fight response that we've got. It can help us, you know, relive stuff that we thought we were really through, um, whether that's psychologically or karmically. Um, anytime we've got this really widespread kind of panic going on, it, it triggers things in us. So um, I think one thing that we can really benefit from um, is to learn to be more present and maybe more present than you've ever been. So uh, one of my favorite allies for this is calcite because calcite displaces the, the, the angst, the resistance, the fear with joy. And it is, it is the very definition of spontaneity. One of, one of my, my crystal healing teachers and mentors, um, Samaya Astor, she's uh, formerly Naisha Ozian, co-author of the Book of Stones. Um, she has a beautiful deck of cards called the Crystal Ally Cards. And I got those when I was a teenager, and um, I just I, I loved the symbolism that she talks about when she talks about um, calcite. She calls it the stone of spontaneity. And if we really think about what that means, it's not just throwing caution to the wind and doing whatever we want. The true definition of spontaneity is being so rooted in the moment that that you can just be. Um, and the more we do that, the more we kind of unwind the, the layers of, of karmic baggage, the layers of psychological baggage, layers of spiritual baggage that we've got. It gives us a chance to really see the, the gift in the moment. Um, you know, the gift, the lesson, whatever we want to call it, isn't always a beautiful, wonderful thing. Sometimes it's, it's hard truth. And I think we've been faced with a lot of those lately on a, on a you know, countrywide level, on a worldwide level, but calcite can help us also go from where we are to where we want to be. It is a very evolutionary stone. If we look at its crystal structure, um, let's say we have a beautiful polished piece of calcite and you drop it and it shatters, um, which would be a terrible thing, and I don't recommend this experiment, but it happens sometimes. You're going to notice that all the little jagged pieces of it actually express this perfect um, rhombic geometry. So it's going to be all these sort of little parallelograms that it's made out of every angle and face from where it breaks. And even if it doesn't look very geometric to the naked eye, if you magnify it, it's going to be these perfect rhombohedrons. Um, these are made out of pairs of parallel lines. And so this is a stone whose, whose very geometric structure is about linking parallel realities helping us get from the track we're on to the track we want to evolve to. And it can help us not just dream and be and, and think it on a personal level, but it helps us create the sort of, um, you know, soul level patterning that we need to make those evolutionary leaps. And I think this is a great stone for us. One, because it's common, it's inexpensive. It comes in every color of the rainbow. So it's accessible to us. We don't, you know, we don't need to shell out thousands of dollars to get a good piece of calcite. Um, but it's also great because, um, you know, it's something that, that we can all benefit from. It occurs in many parts of the world. Um, you know, chances are, especially in the Midwest, there are some great mines for, for um, calcite. Um, here in Florida, calcite is one of the few things we have of in abundance. Um, I always love to work with rocks from, from the place that I'm in. So, um, you know, there's, there's like a, 
it's kind of like the teaching in herbalism that some of the best medicines will be the things that grow around you, the things that you need on a community level will be the things that, you know, pop up in your yard or on the highway. Um, it's the same thing with the mineral kingdom. If we kind of tune into the earth energies that are present where we are, they're going to be the tools we best need to cope with. And, um, you know, calcite's one of those things that's in many places. So it's really accessible on an energetic level as well as just being actually accessible to us in a, a physical sense. Um, I think that's just a great tool for, you know, where we're at and where we're going. You know, I really never thought about what you just said, like the indigenous rocks of your area. Um, But it is, it's true, like where my grandparents' farm was, it's um, in a small town, Potosi, Missouri, Old Mines, Missouri. That was actually the name of it. Um, So Old Mines and Potosi kind of crossed. But they had all these um, mines there, and so they had um, quartz crystals everywhere just like Mm. you know um i know and you know that was my delight you know and then there was a creek that ran behind it and you could find different things in the creek you know um different stones there and so those are my fondest you know some of my fondest memories are was going to the farm and collecting rocks but i you know i just never thought about the fact that the rocks where you are are obviously influencing all of us because i mean so how wonderful that you have calcite right there with you i just i didn't think of that as a, a florida rock i didn't realize that you know in yeah, arkansas I mean, we have yeah they have um a lot of people go mining in arkansas i've taken um a group there and i mean we got beautiful crystals but i'm sorry i interrupted go ahead <laughs> oh no no you're fine i was just going to say we're here in, in florida we're lucky to have all this limestone which is you know a, a sedimentary rock composed primarily of of calcite so, um, you know, they'll, they'll dig and find these pockets of these beautiful golden calcite crystals. And then most famous of all are, are, are calcitized fossils. Um, the, the best mine form is now closed, but um, you get these beautiful whelks and clamshells that are just filled with golden calcite. And they're, they're super fluorescent. So if you have an, a UV lamp or a black light, they glow so brilliantly under it. And it kind of reminds us of that hidden spiritual light we all have. We just have to, you know, look with the right kinds of eyes to see it. Calcite can, can often fluoresce, and it reminds us to, to let our light shine. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So um, so do we want to revisit? We've talked about what karma is, and we, but we didn't exactly finish the topic of uh, karmic healing. I mean, we did a lot. Do you want to add anything else hmm. to... Yeah, why, why don't we why don't we talk about some specific stones that people can work with? So um, I'm I'm going to start with easy ones. I've got a whole book on permit healing out, and there's some pretty exotic and expensive things in there, but there are also some real common ones. Um, so we've already talked about carnelian for for other things, but carnelian is also a good karmic healing stone because it is the stone for getting out of karmic ruts. So that inertia of the past is, um, you know, not weighing in your favor. Um, carnelian can kind of help us get up and out of those cycles. It's like you see the freight train of karma barreling towards you. That's the shove you need to get off the tracks when you're frozen in fear. Um, carnelian is great for that. Um, another stone that is a really good karmic healer. Um, I, I loved how earlier you, you touched on the topic very briefly of service. Um, and one of my favorite karmic healing stones deals a lot with the, the theme of service, and it's charoite. So um, charoid is this beautiful metamorphic mineral that comes from um, Russia. It's kind of these swirling fibrous, um, you know, uh, velvety patterns of, of, of purple minerals in, embedded in matrix. And this is one of the ultimate stones of service. Uh, a dear friend of mine likes to talk about the, like the perfect equation for finding your life's purpose. It's what brings you joy that allows you to be of service will yield that purpose for you. And um, this is a stone that helps us joyfully be of service. And that's a great way to generate the merit, that, that stuff that outweighs our, our karma, good and bad. Um, Charoid is so enchanting. It can, it can really work on the dream state as well. We do a lot of unconscious processing of our karma, whether it's the day-to-day karmic patterns or the you know, big, full-level, lifetime kind of uh, karmic stuff um, in our dream state. And so this is a stone that, can make our dreams more vivid, that can make us more sensitive to what's happening in the dream state, but it also opens the door for that karmic stuff to be released in the dream state. So we don't necessarily have to be 
um, doing all of the conscious processing during our normal waking hours, which can be rough and it can, you know, cut into your productive hours. Um, another really simple stone that is also abundant everywhere you go is flint. Flint is probably one of the unsung heroes of the mineral kingdom. Flint is an amazing stone for karmic healing. It is protective. It is anchoring. It's grounding. If we want to do any sort of past life exploration, flint is the perfect anchor for any spiritual journey you might take. So whether that's uh, past life regression, whether that is something like astral travel, um, it's going to kind of help you open the doorway and drop anchors so you can come and go more easily. It's a wonderful stone for awakening the echoes, the imprints of our past lives, as well as our past decisions in this life. So flint is just a good one for kind of process karmic stuff on many levels. Um, and if you get a nice sharp piece of it, you can also use it for things like cord cutting ceremonies or cord cutting rituals, which are a great karmic healing tool as well, um, you know, helping us kind of sever the cords that feed our karmic stuff on a continual basis. Um, so flint is is a wonderful ally. Okay, so we have, I'm sure, people listening today that are like, what is he talking about with, clear? like, how do I use that stone? Do I hold it in my hand? Do I put it, um, do I meditate with it? Um, and cutting cords, let's just talk a little bit about what that is in case someone doesn't understand. Sure. So, um, a lot of times when we talk about karmic cords or, or energetic cords, we visualize these sort of like tendrils of energy that get tangled up in our, our energy field. So the, the layers of the aura, the chakras, the nadis, the meridians, all, all the different bits of us that aren't quite physical um, can carry information and imprints. That's what they're designed to do. You know, you have a, an emotional body that is full of emotional information about you and your life experience. Um, but sometimes the information that we, we carry isn't necessarily stuff that is um, good, healthy, and useful for us. Um, and sometimes it originates from some other source. So cords that are in some way karmic in nature can be rooted in a past event, a person, or um, even a place. And so we'll have this kind of tendril of energy that links us to this outside source, and it can feed that karmic pattern on an ongoing basis. So, you know, maybe maybe you have the, the sort of, um, we'll say, cliche of the, the broken heart from the past love, and everything ever since then goes wrong, and um, you don't know why. Well, you know, sometimes there can be this kind of energetic link between you and that person or that experience, feeding a pattern that will repeat in your life over and over again. So cutting the cord is a you know, symbolic act of severing that energetic tie that you've got to that karmic situation. So that way you can release the ongoing patterns and you know, reset the cycle essentially. To do that, you need to have an appropriate gemstone. Um, it should be something that looks sharp or pointy. Um, you know, spheres and tumbled stones are wonderful healing tools, um, but you certainly wouldn't use a, a sphere to cut your carrots in the kitchen. You, you do something sharp for that. You can use a, a sharp tool. Um, obsidian is a great one that you can get in, you know, rough forms that have kind of a really nice sharp edge. You could use any sort of terminated crystal, whether it's polished or natural. So, you know, clear quartz, amethyst, anything that's got a, a nice sharp point on it. Um, but one of my favorites is flint because flint gives us sort of sense of warrior-like strength to stick it out, to stay true and to stand firm in our power. So that way, whatever's on the other end of that karmic pattern um, isn't going to, you know, cause that little voice in the back of your head that says, am I really worthy of letting go of this? Flint helps us really maintain that, yes, of course I'm worthy and I'm going to make it happen. Um, and then you want to, you know, cleanse your crystal. You want to charge or program it with your intention. So what exactly are we doing here? We're cutting cords. Um, and then in the, some of my books, I talk about this little procedure called activating your crystal, um, which I do with the breath. And it's just kind of a way to to turn the light switch on in, in the crystal and really kind of focus that imbued intention that we've already put in there um, to, to be used in the application. And then, then you go through the act of cutting the cords, which might look funny if you were observing someone do this from afar, kind of waving their, their hands about with a, a rock in them. Um, but we, we want to do the physical motion of, of cutting those cords. And if you're looking for more precise details than that, it, 
it is a topic that I go into depth in in my um, my book, Crystals for Karmic Healing, as well as Crystal Basics. You'll find some good information on cutting cords in both of those. So, you know, the cords, you may not be aware, but all of a sudden um, maybe a person just keeps popping into your head and maybe it was a painful experience, like a, a rough ending or something like that. In most cases, when something keeps showing up and keeps showing up, or you just um, are not able to move past something like where you were defeated, like a lost love or something like that, <clears throat> chances are you have an attachment or a cord. So the the cutting of that cord, um, I a lot of times people have had whatever it is they're carrying around, and it almost becomes a friend. And they're like, well, if I let this go, what if it's what's gonna what's gonna happen next? Because we all know nature abhors a vacuum. So when we create the space in our life, it's really um, wise to set an intention on what you want to invite in. So whenever I do cord cutting. I say, okay, I now um, choose to lovingly, maybe not always use lovingly, but in most cases I, I, I lovingly choose to release um, this attachment to this person, place, or thing. And as I release that and create that space, I invite in more peace, more calm, more love, um, open my heart more. Uh, so they've done studies, and a lot of times when you can actually um, self-dialogue with your body, and if you know how to do chakra work, you can actually unwind your chakra and uh, cleanse it. And if you're using crystals to amplify it, it's even like more powerful. But you unwind or release, and then you invite in. So when you close the chakra in a clockwise fashion, you would say, I now choose to invite in more love, more, um, more cl- whatever you're wanting to replace that with. Um, but cord cutting is very, very powerful, and you can do it. You don't need someone else to do it for you. So, Nicholas, you're giving lots of good information. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. It's like, woo. So, um, so I, you, you keep going wherever you. And I did not know about flint. I mean, I had no idea. So this is this is great. I'm gonna be buying my flint. <laughs> So um, do you recommend, like, if you were to see, like, um, I, does it just come in a rock form or is it in, how, what form is flint normally found? Oh, I mean, you know, these days you can find any rock polished or raw. Um, you know, for for the cord cutting, you'll definitely want something that's got kind of a, a raw edge to it. So um, the, the unpolished stuff might do better for you unless you find one that has been formed in a useful way but you know here's another great way we can find flint there are so many lapidary artists out there who do something called flint napping where they create blades and arrowheads out of flint and other stones Um, so you can find an inexpensive flint arrowhead that would be really great for cord cutting you can find exquisite flint knives um, that you could do this with Um, so you know the the sky's the limit on on what what options we have so it's just finding the right tool for you um, I I kind of have flint from all over when when I travel. It seems to be one of the stones I find a lot. Last summer I went over to uh, the UK. I was on a, a little tour where I was teaching, and um, it kind of culminated in this really wonderful retreat in Glastonbury at Chalice Well. And um, I I was having trouble procuring stones from the UK while I was here in Central Florida because one of my one of my topics that we were going to cover in the retreat was the stones of the British Isles and how, how those stones indigenous to that area were going to be um, you know, so vital to the work we were doing while we were over there, you know, visiting stone circles and other stone monuments. Um, and so I got everyone some Ohio Flint because it is beautiful. It's inexpensive. Um, it's something that I love. And like the, the first week that my fiance and I were walking through London we just go down to the Thames and, and there littered on the shores is all this wonderful native flint. So um, a lot of flint came home with me. A lot of flint went out into the world to be shared with my loved ones, with my students. Um, so, you know, I feel like if, if we really need a stone, it pops up in, in whatever form is available to us. We, we might just want to start working with that. So, um, you know, flint's really accessible. It's inexpensive. Um, and it, it's kind of a cool rock. It's got a really long history of, of human use. Um, but let's, let's maybe talk about, um, you know, another, another stone that is also common that's really good for karmic healing and I think would also be nice for us to invite into our spaces in these strange days, and that's amethyst. 
Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening in already have amethyst in their toolboxes because it's, you know, one of those gold standards of, of crystal healing. Um, you know, back in the early days of working with crystals um, in, in the 20th century, at least during the rebirth of crystal healing as a modern practice, amethyst was one of those few stones that you could find in every book. Um, even books fully devoted to working with quartz crystals talked about amethyst because it's a form of quartz. Um, so in terms of like the deeper spiritual lessons that amethyst offers us, um, you know, first and foremost, we have to look at its name and its sort of mythopoetic history. And the word amethyst comes from Greek, amethystine, which means to not be intoxicated. Um, and, you know, the, the belief was that it could prevent us from getting drunk. The, the reality of this myth is that in the days of ancient Greece, wine was not the most pleasant thing. Um, if you took it full strength, it was made from red grapes that was purplish in color. And when you served wine to people, you would have to kind of cut it with um, water and honey uh, to make it palatable containers. They had to put tar on the inside of their earthenware jugs of wine. And so they kind of tasted like tar. Um, their wine was also probably a lot more alcoholic than ours. So it was potent. Um, so if you served someone wine that had been watered down, out of a purple amethyst goblet. They could drink a lot more than normal. It would still appear to be a deep dark purple because of the color of the vessel, but they wouldn't get so drunk. So that's kind of the, the origin of that, that myth. Um, but you know, the idea is that amethyst can help us when we engage in those behaviors that weigh us down, that hold us back, the thoughts we get drunk on, you know, the what ifs, the fears, the whatever it's going to be, um, this is a, a stone that helps us kind of assess our self-destructive patterns and behaviors. It could be something that you eat or drink. It could be a behavior you engage in or just a thought that repeats in your mind. It helps us kind of take a step back and exercise temperance and say, hmm, maybe I'm going to do less of this. Maybe by doing less of this, it creates more space for my spiritual practice, for practicing self-care, for getting out and living my life's purpose. However we want to translate that, it, it opens the door for that. Um, one of the other gifts of, of amethyst is very alchemical. In a lot of the sort of Western occult teachings, you'll see um, the sort of discussion of the seven rays. And although none of the systems agree on which ray is in which order and what color and what they mean, um, one of the common themes is that the, the seventh ray or the violet rays is typically associated with alchemy, transformation, ceremony, ritual, magic. So amethyst is, at least for the time being, the gemstone carrier of that seventh ray energy. It is the um, sort of crystalline embodiment of alchemical transmutation. So when we work with a stone that embodies us so perfectly, it helps us to transmute old patterns into something new. It helps us kind of reinvent, renew, and uh, reprogram ourselves on every single level. So when we've got old stale karma that's holding us back, this is a stone that doesn't just say, mm, I'm going to cut through it and never carry it again, but it takes that harmful karma, transmutes it from lead into gold, from water into wine and allows it to become something meritorious, become something that outweighs the negative karma because it is no longer negative. Um, it is a profound tool, and because it's so inexpensive and easy to find, um, we can all have access to something like amethyst. Um, as we kind of engage with that, that energy, we might, we might picture the, the image of the violet flame, which is a really popular in New Age metaphysical technique for transmuting old patterns. And it's something that we can do not only on a personal level, but also on a planetary level. So um, we, can, we can invoke the violet flame just through visualization or prayer by using um, things like mantras or decrees. Uh, but we can augment its work by connecting to amethyst, either by holding it or wearing it while, while engaging in those other practices. A really simple thing we can do is create a crystal grid. Um, if you'd like to create a, a really potent violet flame grid, all you need are eight pieces of amethyst. You make a, a circle or a star with seven points to represent that seventh ray energy. And then you just put your eighth piece of amethyst in the center. Um, and that's a really simple technique that you can, you can practice. Um, and there are um, some more in-depth instructions for working with that violet flame grid in my book, Crystals for Karmic Healing. Um, but 
when we work with this, we can not only transmute what's happening on a personal level, you know, deal with our own cosmic ick, but deal with our planetary cosmic ick and kind of send that violet flame out into the whole world. And right now, we have, we have the luxury of time we might not have had before, so we can do that. And we can really transmute a lot of the fear that's coming up, not just because now is scary, but because it reminds the planet of things that have happened in the past. So a um, real simple tool that we can do to help everybody. Wonderful. You know, I have an amethyst crystal biomat that came to me in 2006. Like, you know, there was a a blip on my computer screen, and then this um, friend of mine who was living in the state of Washington said, I'm coming to St. Louis. I'm like, no, no, no. I was going through a health crisis at the time. I had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And she said, I know this can help you. And I was like, I don't have time. And so she left one with me. And I have been on my amethyst crystal biomat almost every single day. There's been, like even in the summer, I go on it. I sometimes will do a journey on it. Um, and sometimes, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but um, what time? We have 10 more minutes. Oh, it goes by so fast. Um, like if you, like, I know. So let's describe if you would. I mean, I know what I do. I do all different kinds of things. But when I sometimes just want to take a journey, I'll lay on my biomat and then I'll, sometimes I'll put the crystals like on my body. Sometimes I'll put them by my feet um, and by my head, depending on what I want to do. Um, so whatever you want to talk about with that. And then there are, there, there is a stone that just keeps showing up for me. Um, and I think it would be helpful to everyone, the rainbow moonstone. Um, mm. if, if you feel drawn, I don't know. And then, um, what was the other thing? Oh, because so many people work with computers and when we're home more now, we're doing more online stuff. Um, perhaps we could talk about, uh, black tourmaline for working with EMF, um, frequencies or I don't know what, whatever, wherever you want to go. We've got, you, we, we could hit, well, I want to have you on again because you have so much knowledge. <laughs> But um, well, so the rainbow moonstone, and then um, and I, I just am drawn to it. I've been wearing it almost daily for like the. I, I bought a ring with it, and it just makes me feel better when I wear it. Yeah, well, well then let's start with rainbow moonstone. Um, so for starters, rainbow moonstone isn't truly moonstone. It, it's a very close cousin. Um, it got the nickname rainbow moonstone back in the '80s. Prior to that. Um, you know, it wasn't really common on the market, and, and when it was, it went by, you know, more geological names. Um, but it is a variety of um, the mineral plagioclase, which is a, a feldspar mineral. Um, the traditional moonstone is something called adularia, which is a different kind of feldspar. They have different chemical compositions, different crystal structures, um, but they share a lot of features that are common to the entire feldspar group. Um, so another really famous form of plagioclase is labradorite. So um, oh, rainbow moonstone and labradorite, yeah, they're they're the same mineral. Um, they're just slightly different background colors because of slightly different trace elements, um, and so they function in very similar ways. Um, rainbow moonstone is wonderful for kind of sealing off the aura if we have leaks or tears or holes in it where we might be kind of like hemorrhaging energy. Um, it's great for kind of maintaining the energetic integrity of the auric field as a whole. Very specifically, it works on the layer of the aura that is closest to the physical body, which we might call the etheric body, the superphysical body, and it goes by a couple other names as well. Um, and this is where we have all of the programming on a spiritual level uh, for our physical health and well-being. It's kind of like the geometric pattern of our physical body in, in that immaterial plane. So um, this is a great stone for rejuvenation because it, it kind of goes in and helps us kind of see where things have wandered away from their programming and kind of brings them back. Um, but this stone, if we kind of look at it in the context of, of other things called moonstone, although it's not the same chemical composition, it shares a lot of symbolic connections. You know, it gets the name moonstone because it has that sort of iridescence like the moon does. There's this sort of soft lunar energy to it. And um, the more conventional moonstones, come in a variety of colors. You know, white is probably the most beloved and famous. You can have peach-colored moonstones. You can have, um, you know, reddish and pink ones. You can have gray to black ones. You can have golden-colored. And, you know, different colors of moonstone are kind of linked to different parts of the lunar cycle. So, you know, the white moonstone is representative of the full moon, the peach with the waxing moon, the gray to black with the waning moon and the dark moon. Um, But rainbow moonstone, because it is 
slightly different than the other, kind of stands apart. And rather than being linked to a, a single lunar cycle, she's kind of like the high priestess of, of the, the whole lunar family. And she is the common thread that links them all. And it is a wonderful stone for tapping into the current of the divine feminine. Um, this is a stone for like sovereignty, success, um, that comes through the, the rebalancing of our inner currents of feminine and masculine. Um, you know, moonstone for a long time has been sacred to the great mother, to the goddess. And um, although rainbow moonstone is relatively new to the mineral market and therefore probably was not used by our most ancient crystal-loving ancestors, it still kind of taps into that same vein of energy. And, um, you know, moonstone is wonderful for opening intuition. It, it allows us to kind of part the veil but not take things on from the other side of the veil because it's all that sort of protective quality similar to the way labradorite does. Um, so I think moonstone is, is a wonderful stone for, um, you know, anytime we need to do some investigation into our emotional well-being also, since it's so good at, at kind of boosting the psychic senses, it helps us part that veil, but it's still connected to the moon. And, you know, um, astrologically, the, the moon represents things like, um, our emotional makeup, our subconscious mind, we can use a stone with such a strong lunar signature to understand what's happening in the subconscious. So, so interesting. A million and one. Yeah. Yeah. So because I like work a with new moon. Application. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, <laughs> so but I work with new moon, new moon, full moon. I've done it forever. And <clears throat> even my name that I was given, um, Cynthia Diane, Diane is the goddess of the moon and Cynthia is light. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I only talk to my cats before I get on on the radio show on Friday morning. So it's like I, I'm like, hey, I need to practice my voice. Um, at any rate, um, that's why I'm drawn to this. That makes sense because a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is um, needing to access exactly what you described. So that that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want you to give your website if you would. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so you can find me online. My, my website is www.theluminouspearl.com. Um, I'm, I'm more active on social media than I am on the website. Sometime this year that will get an overhaul. But um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram also as The Luminous Pearl. The Luminous Pearl. I love the name of that. Okay, so we are almost at the end of our show. So I'm going to do one more announcement, and then we're going to talk about Black tourmaline or whatever, whichever you want to recommend, um, Shungite, whatever you think um, with the EMFs. But um, I just want to remind you, we're on this 9 o'clock platform. Any of you that are listening to the show, the minute it's over, you can use the same link that you used to get here to listen to it again. So maybe there was a stone, you're like, what did he say? Like, you can just listen to it, and you'll get, um, you'll, you can listen to it over and over until you um, – you know, get as much as knowledge as you need, and then um, and then forward it to friends and family. Um, there are over 400 shows um, archived at my uh, radio website, which is blogtalkradio.com, and then a forward slash Cindy Meyer, which is C-Y-N-D-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Um, we were, we're switching to a new platform with the um, website for the magazine. So, Nicholas, I understand. I've got two websites being redesigned right now. Um, so a lot of you have been a little disappointed that the archives have not been able to be read. Well, we have a problem. So we're moving the site, and it's being redesigned. Um, so do do join our um, email list, info at spiritseeker.com, and then just ask to be added, and then um, you'll get – information on who the guests uh, on the radio show, et cetera, are. Okay, Nicholas, what do you recommend for all of us that are around our computers so much right now to ground us and um, negate the EMF, so to speak? You know, my favorite for this is Shungite. Um, I, I keep Shungite all over the house for this reason. Um, but I also recommend partnering it with fluorite. Fluorite is so good for kind of protecting against subtle energies, maybe not necessarily the electromagnetic part of it, but the other energies that come from sitting at your computer all day and, you know, being shocked and appalled at what's happening on the Internet because, you know, it's the Internet. Um, but the other gift of working with fluorite in this way is that it is a stone of discipline. And when you're working from home, especially if that's not your normal, it's very easy to get distracted because you're at home. Home is a great place to be. So um, it can help us kind of put the, the blinders on so we stay focused on the task ahead. And then we partner that with the Shungite. The Shungite's really going to help to kind of filter out the electromagnetic smog that's not, not serving to help us stay um, task-oriented and not helping our overall health and well-being. And the two together are just a really nice, delightful combo. Neither is 
is weighty in its grounding. It's like a, a gentle tap on the shoulder, that little loving reminder that says, hey, have you grounded recently? Would you like to? Let's do that. Um, instead of just being this heavy anchor, like something like, um, you know, hematite might, might feel like for some of us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Nicholas Pearson. Luminous Pearl is his website. Um, the book that we were discussing today, if you do not have a book on crystals, this would be a great one. It's Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. And it's a beautiful book. It's beautiful to look, to feel the knowledge. Um, thank you so much for being my guest. And listeners, you know, take this knowledge and practice with it. You can't do it wrong. You can only try it and try different um, different ways of using the stones. But joy, enjoy. Thank you again, Nicholas. Okay. Have a Thanks great week, everyone. Okay. All right. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.